But Jesus says also that he said that greater love hath no man than this, than he would lay down his life for his friends. I don't know about you, but those times of thoughts just always have rung my bell. That when I was not seeking for God, he was seeking for me. And, and while I wasn't, I wasn't trying to do anything to prove my love to God, God was out proving his love for me. And he was doing that, that he could bring abundance within my life. When Jesus says, I've come that they might have life, but they might have it more abundantly. That, 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 that's what Christ has. He not only wants to give me eternal life, but he wants to give me abundant life. He wants to give me just exciting, overflowing life in this world. He wants to bring me pleasure. He wants to raise my level of living. But as I think about that, if, if God's done that for me, what should I do for him? Because one thing we learn about the love of God is, 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 is a, just, first of all, God's love is unconditional. Aren't you glad that God's love is unconditional? He doesn't love you because of who you are. He just loves you because he's chosen to, to give his love to you. Another thing that we, we find that about God's love is God's love is not selfish in any way. As a matter of fact, God showed the selflessness of his love when he gave his only begotten son. He gave the best he had for your sake and for mine. He didn't hold anything back for us. It was God who, who, who obtained great loss at the giving of his son for your behalf and mine. See, so much of the world's love is very selfish. It's just really what can I get out of it. Another thing that we find out about God's love, it's not based on feeling, it's based on demonstration. God doesn't have this syrupy type of a love that, that rises and falls on the crest of our feelings. God's love is based upon what he does for us, and he showed that, he demonstrated that love through the gift of his son. And so if we begin to take God's love and receive it to ourselves, and then we want to reflect that love back to God, it must be the same. It needs to be unconditional. It needs to be selfless. And it also needs to be demonstrated. And that's what we want to look at. But if God has brought us pleasure through our salvation, then, then shouldn't we want to bring pleasure to God? Shouldn't that be the very purpose that, that, that we live is that we reflect God's glory back to himself? And so that's what Paul is telling the church of Thessalonica because of all that he's done for you. You need to walk, you need to live in a way that you bring God glory and bring, bring pleasure to him. And we're going to look at, the, he, he goes into three different ways we can do that. We're going to be looking at those over the next three weeks. And so to, to give you an idea then where we're going, let's all stand together as we read 1 Thessalonians the the fourth chapter, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8, because this will be the first step of, of how, how we can bring pleasure to God and, 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 and just in, in just rejoicing for what he's done for us. I'll go ahead and share with you this morning. This is a tough passage. I've had to pray this morning, God, give me grace, God, that I can speak this in uncompromising truth, but I also I can speak it in love. Because I do not want to condescend, but I do want you to understand the truth as written in God's Word. And so let's just, let's just read right now 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, starting in verse 1. 
He says, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus. And, 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 and he said, first of all, I'm asking you, I'm, 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 I'm just kindly asking you to consider this. But when he says, I exhort you, he's getting a little more intense there. Because I'm calling you beside, I, I want to speak to you directly about this. He's getting a little more intense. And so that, that you hear what I'm having to say. And he said, I'm doing this by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God. One thing he's saying, and this is what's so important. And I think this is something all of us need to understand as believers. He says, for the things that you have received of us, you just need to do them. You see, there's a lot of people within Christianity, if I say most people, you don't need to learn any more than you already know. You already know what you need to do. The question is, are you going to walk in that? And he says, you, you, I've, you've already received these things. Now I just want you to do them. He says that you have received of how you ought to walk and to please God. He says, I'm only, you know, these are some things that you, how we could walk and to bring pleasure to God. And that you would abound more and more and that you would do this even more and more and more than you're already doing. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. You already know these things. He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence or, or just lustful desires. even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that, that the Lord is the avenger of all such. We also have forewarned you and have testified, for God has not called us to uncleanness, but into holiness. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given him into his Holy Spirit. And basically what he's saying, if you don't like what I'm about to say, you're not despising me. I'm just going to share with you out of God's word. This is, this is God's business. So let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord, and God, we praise you. God, you are the love of our lives. God, you are the very reason that we can even come and, and, and really experience true love. That unconditional love, that selfless love, that demonstrable love, dear Father, that, that God that changes lives. And I pray today, Father, in the light of your love and God in the light of what you've done for us in the cross, that God that we might stop and, and seriously take a look at our own lives, dear Father. And God, and, and, and allow your spirit, dear Father, to speak to our hearts, that God that we might live in a way that can bring pleasure and honor to you. So, Father, I pray that you would bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Wow. Paul is, is writing these words. He says, these things that you've already received, he says, I'm, I'm asking you to, to, that you ought to walk that you might please God. And he says, however you're doing it now, you need to do it more and more and more. And so we ask ourselves, well, what do I need to do to please God? Yes, I, I want to because he's the lover of my soul. He's, he's the one that has given everything for me. And so Paul begins to lay these things out. And it's interesting that the very first thing that he would, he would say, he says, first of all, you already know this. Now you need to do this. And look what he says 
In verse 3, he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. I stop now, and when he says, for this is the will of God, I guess one of the great questions that people ask me as a, as a pastor, they begin to grow in Christ. God's, pastor, what's God's will in my life? What's God's, what does God want out of my life? And absolutely, that, that in a very general sense, that God has different purposes and plans for each of us, but yet in a very specific plan, um, in, a very, or in a very specific way, God has the same purpose, the same desire, the same will for every one of us. And so I don't even have to begin to think about, God, is this your will for my life? He says, this is the will of God, our sanctification. And so I know today, if you stand here, you claim to be a lover of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ, I can say absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, that God's will for your life is sanctification. Sanctification, well, that's a $50 word, isn't it? What does that mean? I think it's very interesting when we begin to break that word down, just the, where, where the word comes from. is, is the, It comes from the very root word that we speak of the word holy. If you have a Bible and, and on the front of your Bible it says holy Bible, or you speak about a holy God, this is where the root word comes from. And so we know that the very root of sanctification means holiness. Well, again, what does holiness mean? The very idea of holiness or, or sanctification is that which is pure, that which demonstrates the, the quality of God, but also it's that which is set apart. And that's why God is set apart from all of creation, because only God is perfect in pureness. He's without sin. And so it, it has this idea of pureness, the, the character of God in a pureness that separates him from all of creation. And because of that, that, that because of who he is, he's dedicated of changing this world. And so when we begin to apply that from, up to, from God to ourselves, God is saying, this is my will for your life. I desire you also to be pure. I want you to, I want you to demonstrate my qualities, my qualities that are without sin, that my qualities, which are, um, are, are, are totally moral in every way. But also, because of that, I want you to be set apart. Because if you are pure, then you are beginning to set yourself apart from this world. Now, Jesus, when he prayed for us, said, Lord, don't take them out of the world. I want, you to, I want to leave them in this world. But, but folks, so, so, so we are in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We're to be set apart from the world. For God's purpose, we are to dedicate our life for his purpose and for his glory. So that is God's will for every single one of us. As a matter of fact, after studying that, I wrote a simple, it's just a little long explanation of sanctification. When it says sanctification is a process, and it is a process. It's that process of, of once we become Christians, we, we still have a lot of stuff in our life. And, and Paul describes it as taking off the old and putting on the new. I worked out in my garden yesterday, and boy, I was, man, I was a stinking mess. I was sweaty all over. I was filthy. And, and Miss Wanasu, I pretty well know, she doesn't want me to tramp around her house like that. And so as, as soon as I got in, I, you know, I had to begin to pull all that sweaty stuff. And, and pretty well, she wants, to, she, only, she wants me to leave it outside. 
because with my sweat comes a lot of odor. And, um, and so, I, you know, I, I make all the girls are out, you know, uh, gone. And I, I pull everything off. And what I do is I take off that old sweaty garments and I put it on clean garments. That's a picture of, of, of the sanctification process that when we are saved, that when converted, that, that inside God has changed our life, but we're still wearing some old dirty garments. And, and the part of the sanctification process is where we take off the old and we put on the new. And, and so it's a process that we'll continue to, to live out until the day we die. There's always issue, areas in our life that we need to take off. But it's a process whereby we dedicate our lives to God by separating ourselves from the sins of the world so we can become more like him and useful to him to accomplish his purpose in our lives in the world. See, we're to take off these old dirty clothes and put on the new clothes so then we can be useful for him in the world. See, he's called us to be his light. He's called us to be the salt of the world. Where, where, but, if it, but Jesus says, if the salt has lost its saltiness, what good is it? I'll just have to throw it out so it can be trampled upon. We've lost our purpose if we are not salty. We've lost our purpose if we are not giving a lot. And that's why God says, this is my will for you, your sanctification. Let me give you another illustration. Maybe you love good food. I love good food. And once and he had an opportunity, went down to St. Petersburg, had a glorious time, and just hung out and tried some new restaurants we've never eaten. And, and we, we were kind of looking around and found one. It's called 400 Beach Seafood. Man, it was it was, a, it was just a steal. We found out it was one of the better restaurants. And I looked down, and golly, the prices are so high. And, um, you know, you, that's one of the things you get yourself there, and you're kind of embarrassed to walk off. And, um, but, but God came through because it was about 545, and we saw a little sign there that, that from 3 to 6 is their happy hour time. And so, therefore, you basically got everything at half price. I said, hey, it got a whole lot better then. <laughs> we even asked her, is this for real? And they said, yeah, this is for real. But man, it was incredible. I mean, it was just incredible. We sat outside. It was beautiful. The food was terrific. We had a wonderful experience there, man. Everything was great. And we thought, as a matter of fact, I got out my little, you know, my little notebook and I wrote that down. I will come back here again. <laughs> but let's but just say, for example, you know, here's this place that's, that's considered one of the top restaurants in Florida. Great atmosphere, and, and um, I went in there, we sat down, and man, I just couldn't wait. I, I, had, a, I had blackened tilapia, and they had, a, they had some fruit and a vegetable. They mixed up mango with it. Man, it was just good stuff. But let's just say that I went in there, and we sat down, and I couldn't wait for some of that good food. And we, well, I had to pick out which things I wanted. and um, I got to noticing right next to me the where the, the people had left, the, the, the guy came by, and, and when he began to clean up the table, he just, he just took his rag and wiped off the, the, the plate and set it right back on the table. And then he just took the, the knives and the forks, just kind of wiped them off, kind of wrapped them back up and set them back on the table. You know, I'd be thinking, this is nuts, you know. As a matter of fact, I'd be looking around to see if, you know, candid camera, one of them shows weren't, you know, to, to, that were looking to see if this was real or not. And but sure enough, I began to look at my fork, and there was some rice, you know, from the diner before. And by that time, they brought me out my blackened tilapia and all that good vegetables, folks. I can promise you, it didn't matter how good that food might have been. 
I just lost my appetite. Because the utensils that they had given me to eat that good food, it wasn't worth the try. You wouldn't either. But see, the whole idea the Apostle Paul is writing that, folks, we are God's utensils to take his banquet to the world. And it doesn't matter how good the banquet food may be, if the utensils are dirty, then people's going to turn their nose away from the great banquet food. And that's why Paul is saying, God's will for you is your sanctification. You see, every utensil needs to be sanctified, it needs to be cleansed, it needs to be set apart for the one purpose of serving the food. And if it's not cleansed, then people's not going to eat the food. So as we begin to apply that onto our lives, we have to ask ourselves, what type of utensil am I to take this glorious gospel into the world? And so he says, this is God's will for you, your sanctification. Because this is what pleases God as we live our lives in a way that we become sanctified so we can be his utensils to take God's great gospel, that that delicious gospel, that beautiful gospel that, 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 that brings us to the banquet of Christ to a lost and a dying and a hungry world. And I think it's interesting that he begins to zero, of all the things that he begins to zero in on, and of, you know, of all those dirty clothes that he could, sh- could, say, could say that were, because yesterday I had my T-shirt on, I had my jeans on, I had my socks, my underwear. Of all the things that we need to take off, he speaks of one thing. And I think, I think this is a, a something that deals with every age. And he, he talks about our sexual purity. Isn't that interesting? He didn't talk about greed or covetousness. Or bitterness or anger. He said, he says, he did not, even though he could have, but he says, this is the one thing that you need to first zero in on if you're going to be sanctified and used as the vessel for me. Because he says that every one of you, or, or I'm sorry, in verse three, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, sexual immorality. And, and what he's saying there is that, that if you are to be used for God's purposes, for God's glory, to bring him glory in taking his, his gospel to a world, that folks, you need to abstain from fornication or sexual immorality. I just think that's so interesting. Because I believe that God understands without a doubt that the, the one issue that people deal with and that almost all people deal with is this one area of sexual purity. Man, it gets quiet. Maybe that was a big issue that was going on in the, in the, in the city of Thessalonica because it, it was a big issue. They lived in a pagan society and there was just rabid immorality in the city. And he knew that a lot of people that had been saved had had been saved out of adultery and and, and sexual immorality. But folks, it's no different in Thessalonica as it is in McClenny, Baker County, Florida today. One thing about people, people are people. 
I remember mom used to talk about the son. I know there's a lot of bad going on, but she says, I can tell you, there's always been bad going on. People didn't know about it quite as much. Folks, people have always been sinners. People have always dealt with sexual immorality. Always. Very strong within my family. Very strong within my family. In the past, I, my dad used to say, son, don't, 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 don't look down that family tree too far because you're going to find some things you don't want to see. And folks, there's none of us that, that probably can't say the same thing. And so this is the will of God for your lives if you're a believer, your sanctification. And, and he says the sanctification, first of all, needs to start in the area of your sexual purity. Your um, that you would flee from fornication. Well, let me just stop and, 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 and I had to stop and think about this. One thing in the world today, we, we blur the lines so much and we change the name of things so much, we don't even know what that is anymore. Because the Bible says, you know, there's going to be a time that when, when the things that are right are going to be called wrong and the things that are wrong are going to be called right. And, and folks, we're in that day. You know, we get called up and, and we make our decision about, we, we make our definition about what the world says rather than what God says about these things. And I think that's, that's, that's where the, the lines have been blurred. And so I just want to talk to you for a moment about this whole idea of, 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 of sexual purity. First of all, sex is not a bad word. It was God who created the sexes in his divine plan. God could have made every one of us in his creation, he could have made humankind um, asexual. And that means that, that there would have been no differentiation between the sexes and, and you could have reproduced within yourselves because God could have created us that way. But in God's divine plan, he created man and he created woman. He created us sexual creatures with different sexual functions. It was also through God's divine plan that, that, that through the, this, this, this sex that he created is to procreate and to fill the earth. And that is God's desire for, for Christians. He, he desires for us to fill the earth with, with godly seed to bring him glory. He even designed the, our, us in a sexual creatures that, that, that it does bring pleasure. But also he designed it that it's all to be done under his plan and purpose. Because the only way that God has created sex is for one man and for one woman under the commitment of marriage to, to, to enjoy and to use the, the sex for which he's created us. Now, folks, this is not Johnny speak. This is God speak. I mean, you can find this within the Word. And, and see, again, we live in a world that you can take Scripture and make it say anything that you want. Maybe you don't like that, so you'll twist it around or you'll take things out of context. We do it all the time. But, but that's why God speaks so directly into this. Is this is the will of God for you, your sanctification. And, and he deals with that you need to flee from, from, from fornication. But the word that he uses for fornication is a, a little Greek word called pernia. And basically, it talks about any type of sexual immorality, any type of sexual immorality. And so we need to begin to define that because, again, we have to, 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 to do that. We need to understand, what does this mean to me? 
Well, I've never done that. Well, you know, first of all, adultery is pornea. The Bible speaks very, very clear about that. And, and, and Paul says, you know that if you have a married man or a married woman and they have a sexual relationship outside of their bonds of marriage, that's adultery. That's wrong. That's pornea. And he says, you need to flee from that. And, and there, there were probably the people that he was writing to that were former adulterers. But, you know, that's what's so cool about the blood of Christ, that it will cleanse us from all of our sins. We can make made a new person. They're not adulterers anymore. Now, if you continue on in that practice, you are. Fornication is pornea, and that's fornication is sexual relationships between unmarried, unmarried couples. That any sexual relationship between two people that are not married, folks, is pornea. That's wrong. That's sin. That's sexual immorality. Wow, have we lost that? You know, we, we don't even think about anymore that, you know, there, there's, a, there's a terminology within, you know, you got to be careful. You know, sometimes you use terms, you, just, you know, of, of, hey, let's get together and hook up. Let's get out there and commit sexual immorality. I mean, that's a code word out there. Our young people understand that. Maybe, you know, us old adults, we, you know, we, had, other, we had other code words for that. But it's just, it's just common practice. It's, it's very common practice for, for people to, 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 to begin to, let's talk about, uh, of living together without being married. And, and you're not sleeping in separate bedrooms. Don't fool me with that. <laughs> Folks, that's pornea. That's wrong. And I, I'm not here trying to condemn anyone. I'm just here to try to ex- explain God's word. Because why this is so important? Because Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and that you have it more abundantly. And, but you rob yourself of these when you begin to choose to, to live away from God's word. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Again, I'm trying to tell you so that, that you can have the abundance that God has for you. And if you're having any type of sexual relationship outside of marriage, then that's wrong. That's sin against the holy God. And that's what God says is my will for you is your sanctification. And if you're to be sanctified, then you need to flee from sexual immorality. It doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't even matter what your mama says. Folks, sin is sin. And we live in a world today that has so blurred the lines that even the church, we turn our eyes away from it. And what you're doing is breaking the heart of the God who died for you. Jesus who died for your immorality. Jesus who died for your pernia. And we're just walking over the price that he paid. This is why these things are so serious. And... And so I just ask you today, I, I ask you today to really consider yourself in this. Homosexuality is pernia. It's where couples of the same sex are involved in sexual relationships. Now, I want you to say this, and it's very easy. See, it's very easy to say that adultery is not as bad as homosexuality or, or two kids getting up and hooking up. No, folks, it's all sin. You see, we like to elevate, well, my sin's not as bad as this sin. It's all sin. It's all wrong. Don't, don't think you, see, you're not comparing yourself against somebody else. You're comparing yourself against a holy, sanctified God. 
And so if you're involved in sexual relationship, pornography, pornography, that's where they get the name is from pornea. If we if I sit there spending my time looking at pornographic, um, either reading pornography or looking at images, folks, that's immorality. Because you are degrading the one that you you're making the person, that other person, an object of your pleasure. And pornography is absolutely rampant, even within the churches. Statistics prove that, man, guys have a, it doesn't matter whether you're in church or out of church, there's a major problem. And guess what? The gals have about caught up with us guys within that. That's big, been the big turn within my generation is the, the, the women are about as involved with the men now. One of the great selling book series of the last couple of years has been The Shades of Grey. It flew off. It flew off of the book stands. And folks, that was nothing more than housewife pornography. This is the will of God for you, your sanctification. Flee from fornication. Hmm. It's tough, isn't it? I can't stand up here and be pious and say, hey, I've, I've never fought with this. I have too. We're all human creatures. But, there, but we have to be able to say what's right and what's wrong because once I... Once I lose sight of right and wrong, dear friend, that just throws me out into a sea of despair. Young people, sexting is pornea. Sexting is pornea. Why well, I read some articles last night, not, not from James Dobson's Focus on the Family, but the New York Daily News, where... The great numbers of children in America today that sex and and well, she may not understand what that means, but that's where young picture young kids are taking pictures of themselves without clothes and sending it to a friend. It goes on all the time. Matter of fact, I read another article out of New York Daily Times. There may be a uh, an app on your child's phone. If it's there, you better you, you better look at it because it's called um, Snap It, I believe. It w- What's that? Snapchat. Snapchat. The, the very purpose of this particular app is so that when, when you take a picture and that picture opens up in 10 seconds, it goes away so no one can see it on their phone again. Parents, if your child has a, a smartphone, that smartphone has more technology than the Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. More technology in their pocket than the Apollo 11 that landed on the moon. And and statistics shows if your child has a smartphone that you have not watching, then it's almost 100% they've they've seen some pornography. But also husbands, that means for you, and moms, that means for you too. You see it so readily available today. 
I mean, there was a day, you know, the dinosaur ages back years ago, if I, if I wanted to go and, 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 and got tempted to see for some pornography, then I'd have to go down on 8th Street or I'd have, to, I'd have to ride 20 miles and go looking for stuff. Folks, I don't have to go looking for it now. It's just a, it's just a few touches away. And you don't have to get into the, the, the Christian um, pundits to tell you that pornography is destructive. But it's the biggest business in our country today. Flee from fornication. See, I have no doubt in my mind with the ones that I'm speaking to, there's people right here that, that, that struggle much in this. There's men that struggle much. There's ladies that struggle much. And, and you know, when you begin to look at all of these different things, there's, we've got young people that are, are very much dabbling right now in, in sexual immorality. And I'm not here to condemn you, friends. I'm here to bring you hope. I'm here to bring you that there's a better way. And, God, and that's why Paul was saying, I want you, he says, this is God's will for you, your sanctification that you would free. Why is this so serious? Why is it so serious? Well, the first thing is serious enough to me is when I, when I read what Paul says, listen to what Paul says. This is why this idea of fleeing from fornication, your sanctification, is so important. He says in verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence or lustful desires, even as the Gentiles which know not God. First of all, the seriousness of sexual immorality, it implies that you do not know God. If you are involved in constant sexual immorality, doesn't, now let me just stop and say, it doesn't mean that you're tempted. Jesus, temptation's not wrong. Jesus Christ was tempted, but it's what you do with those temptations. Doesn't mean even that if you slip sometime and you recognize you slipped and you cry out to God in forgiveness and, 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 and you get yourself back walking to Christ. But it's, this is where your life is. And what it says, that implies that you don't know God. Doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized, doesn't matter how many times you've said a prayer, how many churches you've joined, but if you are living in constant immorality, then he says, then, then that's just like the Gentiles who don't know God. See, because the idea of sanctification is to be separate from the world. And, and, and so he says, you come out of this background, and yes, there was rampant sexual immorality. That's what the world has to offer you. That's what the world has billboards saying, hey, you come involved in, in sexual immorality, and you'll find pleasure, you'll find happiness, and, and you know, everything in, in our today, you can't, you can't self-toothpaste without sexual content. I mean, it's just flashing all around us. I mean, billboards everywhere, billboards today that are, that are on our public streets or in our, um, just in, in public TV that we would have called pornography back in the, in the 50s and the 60s. But now these are very public things on TV today. And see, so the world is just, just flashing around us. This is the world. This is the world. But remember, sanctification means is to separate ourselves from the world so that you might be different from the world. And so therefore, though, if you, it doesn't matter how much you call yourself a Christian. If I'm still involved in the things of the world of my past, then you're really not who you say you are. 
Hmm. Not in the lust or lustful desires, even as the Gentiles, which know not God. See, one who truly knows God should have control over his own body. He said that, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. One of the, the last fruit of the Spirit is temperance or self-control. And so if you, are, if you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, he gives you the power to have self-control over your body. Yes, you will be tempted. Yes, you will be tempted. One of my favorite places in the world is the beach. I just love the beach. As a kid, I hated it, but as an adult, I just love the waves. I love the, uh, I, I love the, 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 the saltiness of the smell. I think it just you know, helps me with my, my sign. I just love the beach. Once we went down to St. Petersburg, there's a beach we, we normally go to. It's more crowded this time. And Wow. I had to turn my head several times. Now, why do women choose some to wear such skimpy outfits? I mean, skimpy, I'm telling you, they just had a couple of threads on. And I literally would turn my head. You know why they do it? Because they want men to look at them. Women, that's pornea. You see, men have a temptation to look. Women have a temptation to want to be looked at. And the only reason that you wear basically nothing is because you want people to look at you with a lustful way. You've got wares and you want to show them off. Now, when you get my age and you got a big belly and your hair's falling out, I, 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 I have a T-shirt on and I got stuff. <laughs> I promise you, I don't have anything to show off. And... Um, <laughs> But I saw that so much this, this time. And I mean, I'd literally just have to turn my head and walk by. You know, I had to turn my head because my flesh was wanting to stare. My flesh was wanting to look up and down every bit I could see. But I had to turn away. Because it wasn't the glance that gets you, it's what you do with the glance. For David, it was not the glance when he saw Bathsheba bathing. It's that he stood over there and watched her glance. And his glance, or his temptation, then turned into lust. And so there's sin on both sides of that. There's a person that wants to be lusted after, as well as a guy that wants to lust. He said, that's what the Gentiles do. But we should have, as believers, the Bible says we should have power over these vessels. And God has given it. You, you can't say, I can't do it, because God's Spirit has says, I've given you the power to do that. I've given you the power of self-control, through the, or, or it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so first of all, as a believer, we, we should have, who truly knows God, we should have control over our body. We're all tempted, but we all don't have to give in to that temptation. And we all should desire to be more like God. And, and, and that should be our desire, to become more Christ-like, to be conformed to the image of God. And if God lives, is without sin, if God does not lust, neither should I. Or, or neither should I allow myself to be drawn into that. I should, my desire is not to look like the world. My desire is to look more like Jesus. Now, I may be getting it wrong, but that's pretty well what I believe, what the, world, what the, what the Scripture tells me. I'm no longer a child of wrath, a child of the world. I'm now a child of God. And so a child should look like their father. 
And so, so if, 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 I, if I, though, want to look like the world, then that's saying that I'm not a, really a child of God. I'm a child of the world. So that should make me stop and really begin to examine myself because if I'm allowing myself to continually play around with sexual immorality, and, and then, then, friends, it may be that I'm really part of the world. I'm not a child of God. I cannot stand here as pastor and tell you that there's not been temptations in my life in this area of, of, of lust or, or whatever. And, and I can't tell you I've been perfect, that I've, I've slipped. But I tell you what, I thank God for a Holy Spirit within me that makes my life miserable. That, that makes me look down and say, God, I am so, I, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. And that's how the process is. It doesn't mean, as a child of God, does not mean that I'll ever sin, that I won't ever slip down. The question is, I'm not going to stay in the mud. I'm not going to continue to stay in that, but I want to get back up through, the, through repentance, through the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. I want to begin to walk back. And, 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 and as I grow, as I grow in sanctification, prayerfully, I won't slip down as much anymore because I begin to learn that where the warfare is. See, the one that does not know God acts like a world, looks like the world. And so first, I think that's a pretty serious thing. That first, the, the, the danger of immorality, it shows that I'm not, I'm not part of God's people. The second thing is, it's an act of cheating others for our own pleasure. You remember the very basics, uh, you know, the, we, we studied this so much that all the commandments are broken down into, into basically four words, to love God and love people. Basically, when I'm involved in, in immorality, I'm not loving God, nor am I loving people. Because what Paul talks about here, when he, when he says that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, that we, we have forewarned you and testified. The word defraud means is to get in gain of others for my selfish desires. See, when I, see, it's this idea of cheating that, that I will cheat to get what I want. And so when I am involved in sexual immorality, what I'm doing is I'm cheating others. I'm cheating others. I'm defrauding others for my gain. Now, you know, it's, it's a terrible thing to feel like that you've been cheated. It's a terrible thing that if you're in a business deal with someone and you, you, you try to make a legitimate deal and then you find out you've been cheated and it's cost you a lot of money, that makes you so mad. But every time that we're involved in sexual immorality, we're cheating another person because sexual immorality is all about me. It's all about me. And so, first of all, you defraud others. Because you are gaining pleasure at other people's expenses. You know, if I'm a man and I look at pornographic materials, then I'm cheating others. You know, that... that, that that girl that I'm looking at, that's some man's daughter out there. I have three daughters. So I'm gaining pleasure at someone else's expense and, and think that there's, there's, a, there's a young lady out there that feels that that's the only way she can make money. See, I, I, am, I am gaining off of their expense. You know, young girls, when some old knothead says how much he loves you and he's going to love you forever, don't you think that he's thinking about you? He's thinking about himself. He's trying to defraud you. He's trying to cheat you. He's trying to take something that, that's not his. 
But he's doing it not because he loves you. He loves himself, and he wants another notch in his pistol. Hey, girls, let's, let's put it on the table. Young girls learn manipulation very early in life. They know they have something men want, and so therefore they can manipulate, not so much for the pleasure, but to get something they want. Boy, that's tough stuff, isn't it? But folks, that's reality. See, any type of sexual immorality is, is done for self-pleasure. And so when we are focusing on, on pleasing ourselves, we're doing it at someone else's expense. And so therefore, we are cheating the other of that relationship. And you know the worst thing that we cheat people of? If, I'm a, if I call myself a believer and I'm presenting myself in the name of God, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to church at Rayford Road Church, I'm defrauding that person of what a real Christian looks like. Because they begin to think that that you can still be a Christian and you can fool around and you can hook up and you can look at pornography or, or you can do these things because God loves us. and you know, None of us throws a rock, you know. Don't you hear you know, all those excuses? But what you're doing is you're defrauding someone of what a real Christian should look like. So why should people want to come to Rayford Road Church to hear God when all the the Christians are looking just like the world out there. See, we cheat people of real Christianity. Hmm. Curly, it's quiet in there, buddy. I'm not saying anything. You know, it, 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 robs, it, it robs the unmarried from their gift of virginity. It robs married people from their bonds of trust. Can you... You can't imagine what happens within a marriage relationship when adultery is involved because trust is broken. And folks, when trust is broken, it's it's hard to rebuild that. It robs the children from a model of godly parents. It also defrauds God. It cheats God. It cheats God of our relationship with him. He's created us for the purpose to bring him glory. God wants to have to, he wants, God's desire, even though man turned his back on God, God sent his son to build that bridge back to us because God wants relationship with you and me. But the Bible says our sin hides his face from us because a holy God is not going to walk in the presence of sin. It's going to affect our prayers. And so when we, when we actively involve ourselves with, with sexual immorality, then that breaks our relationship with God. And that's the very reason he sent his son to die for us, so we could be united back again in relationship. It robs God of our service to him. Do you remember earlier that the illustration I have about going to a restaurant and, and, and using those dirty utensils? See, we're God's utensils. And if we are not sanctified, if we're not set aside, you know, if we do not cleanse ourselves, if we are, if we not fulfill his, his desire of sanctification for us, then folks, he can't use us. If we're a fork with someone else's rice stuck in, we, he can't use us. And that's the very reason that he's called us into his, his service. That, that, that Paul says, you know, that within every house there's, you know, there's, there's vessels of dishonor and vessels of honor. God, God wants us to be vessels of honor to be used for his glory. 
You know, it's amazing the people that think so they can, they can live in sin and then God's going to use you. It's foolishness. God takes that serious. As a matter of fact, he, you know, he, he, says it, he says it right here that he's the avenger. He's the punisher. He, he takes it very seriously. It robs God of our testimony about him. You know, we should be able to walk around with a testimony that I was once blind, but now I see. Or, you know, my life was once just a mess, but now I, I'm a redeemed believer in Jesus Christ. And people should look at me and say, that person's different. That person's no longer a fornicator. That person's no longer an adulterer. That person's no longer a, a drunkard. God has completely changed that person's life. But if I continue in that sense, you can't see the power of God in my life. But you know, it defrauds ourselves. It robs us of the abundant life that Christ has us. It robs us also for the certainty that truly I'm a child of God. That I can live in the hope, the daily hope of his salvation because God has changed me. Doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I don't want to go back to where I used to live. And Because I, so, I know that there's the Holy Spirit living within me. And that he convicts my soul. The older I grow, the, the, one of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit in my life is his conviction upon my soul. I thank think God there's a God who loves me that won't put up with my foolishness. That he will convict my soul and make me miserable until I get on my knees and, 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 and repent and move. I thank God for that because, folks, I'm a dastardly bad guy by myself. Other than to buy the grace of God, there's no telling what I could what I would be. And and so I would be robbed of that if I'm not walking in sanctification. God has created you. He's created you for life and life more abundantly. You know something else that robs you of? It robs you of a beautiful sexual relationship that's blessed only by God that's within the confines of marriage. I've shared this with every premarital couple that Red Book years ago, Red Book now, this is, again, this is not focused on the family stuff, did a, did a research. This was back in the end of the 60s or 70s. And, and talking about sexual gratification, by far, it wasn't even close. It wasn't one of these 42 to 41 percent. It was, it, was, it was gaps. The people that, were, that most enjoyed their sexual relationships were those who are happily married within the bonds of Christ. The people that, 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 that did it God's way. Those that are the people that, 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 that received the greatest joy of that great gift that God has given them. And so when we try to do the world's way, we rob ourselves of that. As I close out today, I just challenge you. I was going to read you a long art, but I don't have time for that. I think that you probably hear and understand basically what I'm saying. I can stand here assuredly and tell you that God's will for your life is sexual purity. And when you begin to walk in sexual purity and you begin to distance yourself from the world, that brings so much honor and pleasure to God because that's when God says, man, they got it now. They got it. Because God is seeing himself live through you. 
I challenge you today, it doesn't matter whether you're, if you're eight years old today or whether you're 80 years old. God's will for you is his sanctification. I challenge you also, and I'll say this, you can't change yesterday, but thank God for the cross. You can change today and tomorrow. You don't have to walk like you did yesterday. And maybe you struggle in and, 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 and some of these areas that I speak about. You don't have to continue within that struggle. I challenge you today to do something about it. God's will for you is this sanctification. There's no greater way that you'd bring him pleasure as you say, God, I want to be like you. And that you may want to make a fresh commitment today. There's not a man in here that, God, that, 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 that Satan does not slam you with temptation. You may need to come to the altar and say, God, give me your eyes. Help me to turn away. And you may come today. See, he's given us, he's given us self-control, but that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it yourself. You can't live that way yourself. And you may say today, God, give me power. Ladies, you may want to come and say, God, give me power. Let me be a model to my children. Young people, you may need, you need to run up here and say, God, help me, because you are getting just, you're just getting pounded. Young, young man or young woman, if you're in relationship with someone that, that that's what they want, you run as hard as you can. You dump them as fast as you can because they're, they're not wanting, they're, they're just wanting to bring them self-pleasure. God, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. But you need to do it my way. And I'm just going to read you the last words he says in verse 8 when he says these words. He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath also given us unto us his Holy Spirit. Again, you don't have an issue with me. This is an issue with the Lord. You're not going to stand before the pastor. You're not going to stand before Johnny one day. I'm going to be standing in the same line you're going to be standing on one day when I'm judged. You know, and so I have to deal with my issues too. But I challenge you as a church, as a body of believers, to desire to please God. And this is how you do it through your sanctification. Tough subject in the world that we live in. But, oh, I, I was, to be honest, I was excited about sharing it because I know that it can set some people free today. And um, God wants to set you free. And maybe you're here today, you've never met Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe today God has opened your eyes because God, he, he's, he's, never, he's never allowed you to see that there's a difference. But today, that there is a difference between walking with him and walking with the world. And, and today, you don't, your assurance is, is, you don't have that assurance today. I, I tell you, I would nail that down today. Come to Jesus. But you can only come through the cross. Only Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again. And think about it. He died for our sexual immorality. He died for every evil thought that we've ever had. He's died for every evil act that we've ever had. Man, what a glorious Savior we serve. I know he wants to change your life today. Would you call upon him? Father, I just pray right now, God, as we close this out. To God, I just pray that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is working in lives. And, Father, that you would do the work that needs to be done. I, what I pray is for a spirit of freedom in this place today. 
God, I know that the adversary would so much want to, to tell people, Lord, that this is not for you or just to wait or, or, or put fear in people's heart. I pray for a perfect freedom. I pray against any, any spirit of deception. I pray against any spirit of fear. I just pray for freedom, Lord, to people to respond to you. I pray for people to be set free. I pray, pray for people to be saved today.